I have to apologize. It's it's definitely on me for not having a show these last couple of weeks. You've you've been prepared. I mean, as as always, and I have um I've dropped the ball, as you would say. That's fine. Sometimes you know you you gotta you gotta miss something or to really appreciate it. Oh, that's very that's very nice of you to say. Oh, I meant for the audience. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> not, not to be too presumptuous, but no, I'm I'm, I'm fine with this. Hmm. Well, thank you. Uh, on a personal note, thank you for the uh, the Christmas card. That was very nice. Oh, very much so. I enjoy sending people dead trees in the mail. <laughs> but no, I, I thought it was I thought it was very uh, cute. Speaking of dead trees, did did you did you purchase a Christmas tree this year? Uh, we usually. I don't. Do, uh, do you ever get one? I do not. So we always get um like I, like Trader Joe's or Whole Foods always have like so like miniature Christmas trees that you can kind of put on your kitchen counter. So we've done that the past uh, two or three years. So yes, we did. And we have it uh, lit up with um, USB-powered LED Christmas lights. <laughs> are, are they are the lights actually plugged into a computer? No. we um, On the kitchen, uh, by the power outlet, we have a, like a high-powered USB little splitter thingy. Mm. So it's plugged in there. And this, this is a real tree. It's quite small, but it, it, it is alive. It has, <laughs> it has a potential to not be alive. So therefore, we water it. I see. Yeah, I every year I go through the same kind of thing where I think about getting a real tree and then I realize that I already have a little like two and a half foot Charlie Brown artificial tree that I've had since college that's just, you know, in my closet all year. And it's just it's just much easier to, you know, pull that thing out. Yeah, that's sure. It, it's your tradition, so feel free. Yeah, but I, you know, every time I drive by a Christmas tree lot throughout the holiday season, I think, oh, you know, it would be it would actually be kind of nice to get a real tree. So when did you guys usually get a real trees? Did you were you right after Thanksgiving as a family or um did you guys do it a little bit later? I think we would generally be kind of depending on how Thanksgiving would fall like the weekend after Thanksgiving. Gotcha. I used to love it. The house would always smell amazing. It was it was just a very nice uh very nice sight. I used to enjoy the holidays more as a younger person. This might be a this is getting a little little personal, but um, I mean, I know you like it when I, when I have these little personal anecdotes, I, one of my favorite things about kind of decorating for the holidays is that I, I, in addition to the Christmas tree, I also put some lights around uh, the windows in my apartment. And I, I much prefer the way these Christmas lights light up the room as compared to the regular lights I have in my apartment. That's just a much, much nicer lighting. I wish there was a way I could kind of replicate that through the rest of the year. Um, I genuinely don't know what you mean. You just, like, do you, why can't you just buy a different lamp? I mean, I could, but I don't, I don't know how I like, would. Like, is it built into the ceiling, or is it just, like, the lamps that you have you don't like? I guess maybe it's just the lamps I have I don't like. Okay. I mean, they're from Ikea. Hey, 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 hey. Well, I mean, lamps are arguably not what Ikea specializes in. But can't you just buy different light bulbs? Do you don't like the color temperature? You don't like how bright or dim it is? Like, what, what do you mean? Maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to buy different light bulbs. Maybe yeah. the lamps are fine. Got to get those uh, Wemo bulbs. Uh, well, I'm sorry. What'd you call me? You've never thought I'd get... Like, actually, we have to talk about this probably after CES or something. But um, all that connected home stuff. Like, you know how they make all those light bulbs? Like, um, Belkin has their own little, like, sub-brand of connected home stuff called Wemo. W-E-M-O. And they have uh, little uh, Wi-Fi-enabled light bulbs that you can control um, and dim and put on a schedule from your smartphone. I think you're thinking of a home kit. 
I honestly don't think that's ever going to be a thing. <laughs> just like, another... is there anything that actually uses that? Like, I don't know how that manifests itself. I don't even no actually... Because there's button or anything. I, that's what I was going to say, is I actually don't even know what it is. It's not like HealthKit in the sense that it's an like app. It ha- yeah. So I don't know, but I assume all of that will become clear after uh, CES. Or much less clear. Yeah. So anyway, the holidays, that's almost over. Uh, yeah, what else were we talking about? Well, so we were, you know, as as we've revealed before on the show, you know, we, we prepare some before we start recording. Not much, but some. And when we were flipping back through all the topics we had over the last couple of weeks, I think we kind of decided that none of the news is particularly that exciting. We actually picked a good couple of weeks to not record, I think, in terms of just the news not being all that interesting. But we have a couple of um, more personal things that are you know related to technology that we wanted to talk about so i think that i think that's what we'll focus on if you know if that's okay with you sure sure <laughs> uh, yeah do you need to take the call or is you gonna be okay no i accidentally tapped on something called um a paper garden on this samsung galaxy tab and i did not know what it would do oh so that, that was not your ringtone no my ringtone is kipper the dog uh, what is I'm, I don't know what that is. You never saw saw Ki- uh, Kipper as a kid. No, he's a delightfully British dog, and and he has a really boring friend. Is that like Clifford the Big Red Dog? Like it's it's aimed at the same target audience of like uh, three to seven year olds. Hmm. Anyway, highly recommended. It's available on on Xfinity on demand. I know how much you love that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan. I thought we've talked offline before about how you just kind of skipped your childhood. Yeah. Well, anyway, okay. Let's let's have a positive Christmas show. <laughs> Again, this is this is our you know like every time they have the the West Wing Christmas special and it's not very good. We're gonna make a good one. Oh yeah. Oh, the newsroom ending. All right, we gotta get that too. Okay. We gotta. Oh, there's this, just, there's so packed. there's so much to talk about. It's just it's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, I know what I want to start with. Go for it. So we had discussed in our last episode, you know, way, way back when, that, you know, I had sold my Kindle, sold my Nexus 7, sold my regular size iPad, and just kind of consolidated everything into an iPad mini. And I I think similar to the whole Power Beats situation, through my discussion of how much I was enjoying uh, the iPad mini, you made the decision to also get one is, is this correct i don't think you were really much of an influence on it i had been going back and forth on whether or not i kind of wanted a tablet again and then the mini 3 came out and it seemed like why not because i, I rely on one password a lot and touch id might be nice and it's a nice good size so ah, so you ah so you did exactly the same thing i did where you realized you were getting ripped off but you did it anyway with getting the three instead of the two. Oh, like, oh, oh most like definitely it. Yeah, because the touch ID, touch ID is nice. Just for one for one password alone, it's worth it. It's totally one of those kind of needless luxury kind of things, but it's it's just so handy. But it's not even one password. It's there's a whole bunch of apps that do that now. So Dropbox and Evernote, and there's a lot of other ones that just that are one password enabled. That having to do that little four digit pin code every time you open the app is just annoying as heck. Right. So that that the time saved is well worth it. Except uh, my mini was defective, and it's still defective, and it's an underwhelming product, and I'm kind of over it. Oh, boy. 
So there's a lot, lot to un, lot to unpack there. So let's let's talk about the what what why is it defective? What's 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 going on? So I had originally purchased it uh, late November uh, ish or early December um, from B and H, a very uh, reputable and uh, responsible retailer. Uh, it arrived from UPS, and when I turned it on, uh, was sealed, brand new. Uh, but when you would use it, it would automatically turn itself upside down. <laughs> so, so basically, the um, the accelerometer or the gyroscope, whichever one it is, uh, just did not work whatsoever. So it was permanently in upside down mode. Hmm. Um. So then uh, I went to the Apple Store. I'm like, uh, this this is kind of defective. It's brand new. That's kind of kind of lame. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll replace it. And I asked the guy, like, is this this device is like an hour old? Am I going to get a refurbished unit? And he's like, no, no, it's going to be brand new. It's going to be brand new. But we don't have it in stock, so we have to order it for you. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, then after a couple of days of using it, I got a case for it. And then when I was using it, I accidentally uh, dropped it uh, a couple inches off the table. And then it worked just fine. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, should I should I cut my losses? I, and I pulled a few people of whose opinions I respect. And it was kind of split half and half of take the refurb because you don't know um, what other issues it might have. Or just deal with a new one, or deal with the one that now works, and then replace it down the road if you need to. And then I stupidly uh, took the refurb, and now this new one overheats, and the home button's mushy. So well, okay. So let, let's—I don't want to go down too big of a tangent here, but I had a similar experience with the home button on my Mini Three. It almost double clicked, like it would. When you would very, very lightly yes, press it, it would, yes. it would make sort of a clicking that is sensation. My so that with mine, that went away after about two weeks of use. You see, the problem is the iPhone 6 home button is just so damn solid. It is. I, I kind of refuse to accept that. And the thing is, the original Mini 3 that I had had no issue like that. It felt just like the 6. That's one of the overall comments I have about the Mini. I, I don't remember feeling this way with my iPad Air quite as much, but to just be bluntly honest, I didn't use it a ton, so I wasn't even paying attention for this as much as I have been with a, you know my new Mini. But just overall, it just doesn't feel quite as solid and, and nice to hold as like the iPhone 6 does. Yeah, so we'll, let's, we'll uh, kind of unpack that a little bit more, but... So overall, I, I got that replacement, and it, it's a dud. So I, what I think I'm going to do is I'm just going to call customer care and be like, because I'm not going to go back into the store, because during the holidays, like, it's, it's not their fault. Like, they're trying to help, and they don't, they're not the ones building the replacement, so it's, it's unfair to get bothered with them. But I don't feel like going in a couple days before Christmas complaining about my replacement iPad mini. So I'll probably just call customer care and try to get it replaced one more time, because it's, it's just kind of annoying. So when you when you say it overheats, I mean, is it a dramatic thing? Well, so I used the 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 old one that kind of fixed itself, and it never because I don't play games on it, so it never got warm at all, like period. And the other one, regardless of what you're doing, if the screen's on and if I'm just using Evernote or I'm in Safari, like the the right side of it gets not too hot to touch, but like really warm, and that's just strange. Hmm. So that's just a bummer, and I don't know. Again, just for a brand new device, I kind of just don't like that. I remember the 5S I had last year was like that for the first little while I had it, and that also, I think, just sort of went away over time, if I remember correctly. Okay, I'm sorry. That's just not an acceptable answer to me. Because, because again, the other one did not have any of those issues. I should have just kept it, and I'm an idiot. 
Well, I, I remember, I think I was on the side of the fence of people who were advising you to keep it. Well, no, first you said, just take it. And then you were like, or I, you could I wait. I changed my mind. Yeah. Well, the, the, when I first responded to you, if I remember correctly, that was at something like two in the morning. And I thought about it a little bit more carefully the following afternoon and, and gave you a more thoughtful answer. So anyway, that's 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 what I get for trusting in the system. Anyway, yeah. but um, so okay. But so. again, the problem there that lies is that two different people at the Apple Store like swore up and down it was a brand new unit, and I don't like I, I like I don't understand why they can't just either tell either they don't know what they're doing or they can't just tell the truth and say yeah it's a refurb, which is okay. You can just say like it's it's warranty in the same way. How Maybe do you know it's a refurb? Because it's I refuse to believe it's that a brand new unit is that defective. Out of the box, like that's insane. Because hmm. you know, like, I don't just like a mushy home button. It's just it's the most aggravating thing. Well, that part I wouldn't be concerned about because I mean I, you know, quite literally had exactly the same issue and it just went away. So yeah, but do you want to? So comparing your fully functioning uh, mini, what? So what's your overall opinion of it? Because I've found it to be quite an underwhelming product in a lot of ways not like a product like fit for what i want it to do but like the product itself like my main issue is the screen but what how do you feel about it so i think so a couple of thoughts the first is like i touched on a little bit earlier comparing it to the iphone 6 i i still don't think even though it i think it's quite a bit of a better device to use just in terms of the feel the portability and just overall functionality that has compared to the full-size iPad, it still just isn't a device that I rely on or use as much as the iPhone 6. So in that regard, it's not a whole lot different than you know, the iPad Air that I had. But I think the way that it's been able to replace my Kindle, the Nexus 7, and you know, full-size iPad, of course, has been really surprising. I, I was sort of skeptical going into it. I was all about, especially with the reading side, I was all about the e-ink experience and the standalone reading experience that you get with the Kindle. And I haven't missed that for a second. And I've actually done a little bit more reading recently with my iPad, just between traveling and whatnot. And it's it's been, it's been great for that. And I, I've been surprised. I never really thought I'd go back to an LCD style reading experience. But I think it's been really, really solid. So is it getting used as much as you'd anticipated? It is. Yeah. It's definitely getting used more than my iPad Air. I'm far more likely, even setting aside the travel thing, even just when I'm you know, lounging around the apartment, it was super common for me just to continue to use my iPhone, even if my iPad was sitting right there. But now with the Mini, it's just much more comfortable to hold when you're sitting on the couch watching TV than the regular iPad was. So I do find myself using it more. Now, I don't I don't know if it's because it's still relatively new. I've only had it for about a month now. I don't know if in another month or so I'll feel the same way because I think if you go back and listen to our, you know, beta shows before we started putting these out, I'm pretty sure I said similar things about the iPad Air as compared to the previous iPad I had. So we'll see if the mini actually sticks. Hmm. <laughs> So and you don't you don't feel nearly as positive as as I do. I take it. Not particularly. The train's saying hello. Um, <laughs> I enjoy it and I do use it a lot, but it's just weird. I don't know. Like, cause 
the iPhone 6 does almost everything I need, and there aren't a whole ton of activities that I would use the iPad for. What I'd envisioned it for would be for reading Kindle books, doing long, like longer form email replies, like uh, getting through Instapaper and like web browsing and like passively browsing Twitter and that kind of stuff, which it does well, but I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure it takes up enough of what I would normally have just settled and done on my iPhone. It dev- One of the things that it has crossed my mind quite a bit of is, I didn't phrase that very well, but you get the idea. Um, the screen size between the iPhone 6 and the iPad mini. Really, it's not big enough. Right. The gap, but, the, but the air is still too big. That's right. If it was an inch bigger. Hmm. Yeah, I, that's one thing that I, I have thought about. Some, although, you know, I particularly the Kindle example is a good one where I do think there is actually a big difference between reading on your iPhone using the Kindle app as compared to using the same Kindle app on your iPad. It is a much, much better experience on the iPad mini. Because I really, like, I can do, like, a longer article in newspaper on an iPhone, but I can't read more than a couple pages in Kindle because it just seems like just there's just too much flipping. Right. And uh, like, I don't know, in a phone, I don't know, it just seems like it's not designed to hold my attention that much. Like I realize I could be doing something else very easily. And I just, I just quit those types of activities. So I think it does have its place. But I guess my biggest um, complaint is the screen quality is just not good at all. Mm. Like the colors aren't vibrant, like the iPad Air and the Air 2 have dramatically better screen quality. The iPhone 6, the iPhone 5S even, all of them have far better screens. And I don't know. That just seems disappointing. I haven't. I haven't noticed that. I think like the colors don't look washed out. At, uh, washed out to you at all? Like the vibrancy no. of the six is is. I don't know. No, I think if I compare my iPad Mini to my iPad Air, I can't say I've really been able to tell any difference. But certainly, I think compared to the iPhone six, you can see the difference. Mostly just in the way how we've talked about this with the iPhone six, where it's got this new. I don't know if it, lamination is the right word, but that new process where the pixels are even closer to the gra- the glass. Mm-hmm. So it really does feel like you're just touching the screen, whereas the iPad mini uh, does not have that same feel or look. And I do notice that. But I, you know, I, I've, as we've talked about on the show, I'm very, very particular about screens, and I really do want the best I can get. And I, I really haven't been bothered by that with the mini. I would certainly prefer if the Mini 3 had the same screen technology as the iPhone 6 and that the iPad Air 2 has. I think, especially considering the amount of extra money the 3 costs as compared to the 2, that's something they should have done. But I don't know. For me, that hasn't been something that's bothered me or what I would consider to be a deal breaker. So, I mean, have you thought about just returning it all together? Well, one, I don't think I can, just because it's Mm. now a different serial number than... uh... Mm, True. But I don't know, it still has its place, and I, and I enjoy it. Like, if I'm watching video or at work or if I'm doing something like that, it, it, I, think, I think it has its, its, its place and it needs to exist. Because now that I've become very heavily reliant on Evernote, and we might actually uh, get into that in a different topic, um, that is something that's made it where I don't need to have my laptop with me nearly as much as I used to. Because every single document that I scan or every... I've just begun kind of throwing everything I ever want to save inside Evernote, which means it's on all my devices at every time. And I don't need my laptop as often because of that. 
So I, I kind of do enjoy that. But again, I could be doing the same thing on my phone, not as easily, but who knows? It'll, time time will tell. Right. I, I certainly, again, I, I feel a month in now, I I think I've had the same experience as, you know, let's get our Gruber mention out of the way here, that people like Gruber have had where the Mini is really just unquestionably a superior product to the full-size iPad. It feels better. It's, I don't know, just it's just the whole experience using it is better than any experience I ever had with the original iPad or the full-size iPad, I should say. Then why does it feel wrong? Hmm. Well, I guess I, I don't I don't have that same feeling. I I think the size is perfect. I, I love how light it is. But didn't we just say that we both would prefer that it was like a, an eight inch or or something a little bit different? Well, I I don't know. I guess I would be curious to see what that would look and feel like. Um, I was just earlier saying that it it does feel a little weird to have two almost identical devices just in terms of the software they're running which have screens that are now so similar in size but again it's not a not not a deal breaker and it's not something that i feel negates any sort of use for the mini yeah so we'll check we'll check in on this in a month or so and we'll, we'll see how it's going i agree i i think the real test is going to be over the next two to three months to see are we both still using this do i have the urge to go back to a kindle um we'll see yeah and you're still slumming it with a wi-fi only model oh of course oh um although oh gosh uh, i'll try not to get too upset here the, <laughs> what's that so one of the things that's never worked very well is tethering your iphone to an ipad or what? I, th- I thought you, didn't you say you were all about this instant hotspot that ios 8 has so okay so previously when it was just called personal hotspot i guess it never worked very well and it just was very it would take two or three times to connect um it just was just not a very good experience mostly with connecting an iphone to an ipad but i also had similar trouble connecting my iphone to a laptop for example and so i was really excited when they came along and announced this personal hotspot feature which is where uh our i guess instant hotspot i I, i'm getting maybe i'm getting the two confused but they rebranded it and essentially, the pitch was if you had two devices logged in with the same iCloud account, you wouldn't even have to enter the password that your iPhone generates when you enable the hotspot feature. It would just automatically recognize you were doing that and connect. So that part is true. If you're connecting an iPad or a Mac laptop or whatever, any other you know, Apple device to your iPhone to share the connection, it's true that you don't have to enter your, the password, but it still isn't just automatic. The device doesn't just automatically connect. You still have to go into Wi-Fi, select your iPhone, and cross your fingers that it is actually going to connect. And I found that if you have your iPhone screen turned off, so if it's just in your pocket, it, it will never connect. You actually have to have your iPhone screen on, and I even then, it's it seems like it's just totally random when it decides to work versus when it doesn't. So it's not not a good experience at all. Okay, so let me ask you a question. As somebody uh, who generally, if they enjoy something or want something that's a slightly higher quality, you generally will not penny pinch. That's correct. Why is 
just ten dollar why why is the cellular connection just still not worth it to you because this like those that minor annoyance even if it was just once a week that is totally worth two dollars and fifty cents per like per like the stuff like that like just not being annoyed is totally worth it it's i but that's the thing is it's not even once a week for me the but, oh, the only time i really ever do it is when i'm traveling and sometimes even then i don't do it so I, I just it's just but something you don't that I do don't it use. because you know that oh this probably won't work and then you just say screw it because then that's that's a lost opportunity no because usually when I am traveling which would be the one time I'd use it more often than not it's it's just easier to pull out my iPhone anyway because my my iPads in my backpack or what whatever so maybe I would be a little more likely to use it if the feature were more reliable but I, I just can't I can't justify spending the extra one twenty nine up front and the extra ten bucks a month for something that I use maybe once a month. So if I used it more often, then certainly that would be a great example of where I'd be willing to spend a little bit money for a far superior experience. I guess I'm just I'm just disappointed they haven't gotten this right yet. It doesn't seem like it's that hard of a thing to do. The idea of tethering your phone to other devices has been around a really long time. I don't know why Apple can't get that right. Well, I'm not sure anybody gets that right. Or I'm not sure. I don't think you have realistic expectations. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I, I just I just wish, I, even the part where it never connects if the iPhone screen is off, I can kind of see that as a battery saving feature. But I just wish there was some consistent process I could go through where it would reliably connect. I don't feel I don't feel like that's asking a lot. No, there is. You go to settings, you click on you you tap on personal hotspot, you make sure it's on, and then you turn on your iPad. But that's but again, what I'm that's too many steps. That's what I'm saying though. Even when I go through, maybe I didn't make that clear earlier. Even when I do that, sometimes it still won't connect. And the only way to get it to work will be to like turn Wi-Fi off on both the iPhone and the iPad, re-enable Wi-Fi, turn off personal hotspot, turn that back on. And even going through those series of steps doesn't always fix the issue. Sometimes it just straight, just sometimes it just doesn't work, and so I just give up. That's madness. Yeah, it's really bad. But again, it's just one of those things that I so seldom, seldomly use that it doesn't bother me. Well, except when I do use it, it does bother me. But anyway, um, on a on a more more positive note, I also had to go through a Apple repair experience recently, not with my iPad, but with my iPhone. Um, and I actually had a very, very good experience. So I, I've owned iPhones all the way back to, when did I buy your original iPhone? That would be, what, 2008? Um, I got mine three months after it came out. Well, no, so, yeah, probably uh, late 2000, when, I, when the 3G came out. So August 2008. Right. Yeah. So since 2008, I've owned an iPhone. So it's six years now, and I've owned you know, the original iPhone, 3GS, 4, 4S, 5, 5S, and 6. So seven iPhones. And I've never had a single issue where I've had to do any sort of repair or replacement or go into an Apple store. I had a really good run. But I woke up, uh, this is two weeks ago now, on a Thursday morning, took my iPhone off of my iHome dock, had been totally fine the night before, but when I took it off the dock, there was this big blue line 
from top to bottom on the screen. Not quite down the center, a little bit on the right-hand side, but just a bright teal sort of colored line going from top to bottom on the phone. And I, you know, tried to turn the phone on and off and switch around in some different apps and nothing would nothing would fix it. And I, I knew it was something with the screen because when I would take a screenshot of the phone, the line wouldn't show up in the screenshot. So it was did, just something did you with really the actual test it that screen way? itself. Yeah. Um, oh, did you think it was like a broken graphics card or <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah, I don't I didn't know what it was. It was so random, came out of nowhere. I you know, and I I really didn't want to go through the hassle of taking it to the Apple Store because I thought that was going to be a whole big nightmare. Mm-hmm. But you know, when that when nothing worked, I resigned myself to having to go through that experience. But from beginning to end, it was awesome. So again, this was a Thursday morning. This came up. I when I got into work, I went online, made a Genius Bar appointment, which they had a ton available. Just that next very next day which i was surprised i thought that was going to be the first thing was i'd have to wait a week or two or something to be even be able to go in but no they had plenty of appointments available the following day so i went in about six o'clock that friday evening uh got there a couple minutes early they took me in early the genius bar rep looked at it literally took two seconds and she went yep that's not good um they do this really cool thing where they connect the phone to the Wi-Fi network in the store, and then they type in some crazy address into Safari, and it connects the phone to some sort of diagnostic server they have in the store, which presumably I'm guessing that what they're checking for there is that none of the water sensors or any, like, they think because they have, like, some type of sensor in the phone that detects, like, water damage or even, I think, some sort of, like, shock damage. Um I guess so I'm, I'm guessing they're checking that like none of that is tripped or anything. So she did that. You know, that all came back fine. Um, and she went into the back, asked a couple of questions or something, I guess, and came back out and she said, well, you know, um, it's, it's definitely defective. We don't see any signs of physical damage. So we're just going to go ahead and replace the screen for you. And to be honest, initially going into this, what I was hoping they would do is just replace the phone because I thought if they had to repair the phone instead of replacing it, that, that I'd have to sh- ship the phone away somewhere and be without it and get like a loaner phone. I thought that would be a whole nightmare. So I, I initially was like, uh, okay, so what, you know, what's involved with that? And she said, oh, well, you know, we have the screens in stock right now. Um, you know, we have another customers whose screens being replaced right now, but we can be done in about 45 minutes. And I was, I was totally beside myself. I thought that was just awesome. I was expecting her to say like, you know, even after she had said, oh, we'll do this in the store. I thought, oh, this would be at least a day or so, but nope, 45 minutes. I guess they have some type of machine in the back that basically just automates the whole process. Um, and 45 minutes later, I had a new screen. It's worked great ever since, and that was it. So really, top top to bottom, just fantastic experience. Well, very good. I'm glad. And, I, you know, I was it really personally was awesome because I've seen the other side of it working, you know, at Best Buy being on the repair side of the house where more often than not, if something were broken, even under warranty, we'd have to ship it off to some other location. It would be gone for two to three weeks at a time. Just a complete opposite of the experience I had. So it was pretty great. 
Well, very nice. And again, gen- well, you you probably have po- more positive um, experiences with Apple products, but generally not necessary for you to uh, have them repaired. Mm-hmm. You know that this yeah this iPhone incident was the very first time I've ever had to go into the Genius Bar. Well, good for you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just bitter. I've had a a rough experience with Apple products lately. Yeah, you've had what the screen on your Retina MacBook, the mm-hmm. iPad, of course. Yeah. What but, else have you had? Uh, other stuff. The phones have generally been pretty solid, but that the the Retina MacBook Pro screen, which I'm still looking at, and has that horrible <laughs> ghosting or image retention problem, is still driving me nuts. So. Well, not not to bring up a sore subject. So again, what 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 am I going to do? I'm going to go buy a buy a Dell. No, so I'm I'm stuck with it. So. Right. That's a bummer. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it got taken care of. Yeah, me too. I, I was very pleasantly surprised. Okay. So what what else we got? We got we got to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. So the other thing that I have done recently is I sold my DSLR. Um. And you, you, I guess, are are partly responsible for that because you. What did I do? Well, you also sold your DSLR, although well, you but actually, you you're, you probably didn't replace it. I didn't. So, I you know I've actually over the last couple of months have been just sort of going through some old stuff, and I've been on eBay selling a variety of things that I just you know haven't really been using as much anymore, and or stuff also. I had a couple of video cards from my old computer that I had been sitting on for a while, little miscellaneous things like that, doing some doing some, uh, not spring cleaning, because it's the winter, so winter cleaning, I guess. And as I was doing that, I the camera was something that I, I thought about, and I just, I just thought more and more about how few times I've used it over the last year. It's really only been two to three occasions where I've pulled it out and have brought it with me somewhere. And so that just seems like a total waste. Um, and it's been compounded by the fact that I've realized more and more that 99% of the pictures I take are just with my iPhone and the way that I view them later and share them with friends and share them online, the the quality of the iPhone photos is more than adequate for all those purposes. So yeah, I just, just I decided to sell it and at least for now, I haven't replaced it with anything, mostly because I don't have any big vacations or sort of any other use at least in the short term coming up where I would want a nicer camera but I think the next time I go on a big trip somewhere where I would want something better than just an iPhone camera I'll probably look at replacing it with something similar that you got something like a a mirrorless camera but I'm not in a a huge hurry to do it. And do you think this is going to be a bigger problem for like Canon and the camera manufacturers where the line is getting blurred so much to the point where not even like you already bought one, but to the point where you just owned it and never took it out because it was just too much of a hassle. Oh, definitely. I, I think it's, I think it's a huge problem and I think it's incredibly surprising that this is where we're already at. I never in a thousand years when using the camera on the first iPhone thought that a camera in a in a phone would be able to basically just be good enough for a overwhelming majority of use cases for wanting to take photos because really the camera in that original iPhone and cameras really in all 
phones at that time were really an afterthought. They were sort of just, if you had to take a picture of something real fast and literally didn't have anything else with you, you would sigh and be, okay, well, yeah, fine, I'll just use this. And it would be a blurry mess. But, I mean, the photos out of the iPhone are legitimately really, really good. And for nearly everything, the quality that you're getting with the iPhone camera is... It's not even. It's not even that. It's just good enough. It's. It's just. It's simply good. So. Yeah, good enough to print. Good enough to archive. It's. Yeah, it's very good, and I and I appreciate that Apple. Sorry to not move on to the iPhone again, but I like that they don't play the megapixel game. That they just keep improving the sensor so that you're not ending up with enormous files, but you just get stuff that is just by default very very good. That's no, a great. It's it's a great point. In the, the iPhone, you never really have to adjust any settings. It's just the defaults always end up with something that's pretty good unless it's just an extreme low-light situation, and in which case the iPhone 6 actually does pretty well with. That's what I was going to kind of close out on is I think what really put me over the top with the iPhone camera and using it really just as my only camera is just how much they've improved low-light functionality. Because really, even through, I'd want to say... The 5, I think the 5S was really the first time I noticed where it was no longer the case. But definitely with the 5 and earlier, as good as those cameras were, and they were leaps and bounds over obviously anything that had come before, they still really didn't get the job done in any sort of low light situation, which would always be super disappointing. But now with the 6, I, I really can't think of a situation I've had so far where a photo just simply didn't come out because of lack of light or whatnot. It's it's pretty pretty great, but we'll it's see. It's a shifting landscape. Yes. Again, <laughs> why did why didn't why didn't Steve Jobs also say it's an internet communicator, it's a phone, it's a what was the other one? An iPod, a digital camera, a personal internet hotspot. No, it was the, the, the three things did? in the original iPhone were phone, internet communicator, and iPod. <laughs> right. That was it. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Internet communicator was just such a weird way to phrase it. Yeah. Good times. All right. Got to have something where it's not um, just negativity, either in selling or complaining or abandoning an idea. What's what's something that you're embracing? Other than the Lakers mediocrity. <sighs> Sorry. You just, so just got you just got little little knives no, every so show. Let, let's actually let's talk about that because we actually ooh we have some sports topics. So we have the the Giants uh, talent getting pillaged. Um, it, there's no other way to say it though. Half the team's gone. Jesus. Um, and also, uh, Kobe going out on a sour note. Cause it, yeah. did he confirm or is yeah. it just rumored that he is 2016 will be his last season? He has not confirmed that he has hinted that that's going to be the case. And he has said something to the effect of the way he feels now, that would probably be his answer, but anything could always change over the next year and a half. So, and he's, he of course would never switch teams. No. So that's just a bummer that he's going out, not even on like a mediocre team, but a team that's genuinely bad. Like that being the best part of a team that can't win. Like that's not, I just think it's a, a kind of a lousy way to end your career, which has been a very impressive career. No, I I, compl- I completely agree. And the way the style of basketball they're playing, where he's taking twenty five, thirty shots a game, is just sad. It's it's just not it's not the right way to play the game. I saw I saw a stat the other day that was something like he would only be the second player 
in the last 50 years to average more than 24 and a half points a game and shoot less than 35%. I think I think those were the numbers. But even if those are a little off, it's it's somewhere in that in that ballpark. And that's that's really nothing to be proud of. Because I mean, yeah, he is scoring a lot of points, but he's just he's taking so many shots to get those points that it's just not not productive. But you said attendance isn't down and fan morale isn't really down that much? Not yet. I mean, you have to remember, this team did win the title four years ago. That was a decade ago. Nah, it was 2010. Well, I mean, so. I mean, their big run was 2002 to 2005 or something? Yeah, they went to three straight finals from 08 to 2010. And they won two of them. So it it's not like it was that long ago. Mm. So I think from that perspective, the fans are still being patient. But I think if another two or three seasons go by and the Lakers are still the way they are today, then that will start to wear thin on a lot of people, including myself. All right. And then on, on that note, uh, how do you think the 2015 San Francisco Giants are, um, well, are it's, positioned? I mean, it's an, it's an odd year. So they're, they're screwed. Do you think it's going to be a genuine, like an under 500 season? No, I, I, I'm joking. I, I don't know. Hard to say. Um, I, it's, it's, I don't know, you know, the people they've lost, namely in Panda, it wasn't like he had a spectacular year last year. He certainly did in the playoffs, but during the regular season, I, he was just sort of an average third baseman. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they've, I feel like the core is still there. I mean, obviously, you know, Posey and Bumgarner, um, you know, hopefully now they're going to get um, um, Kane back has you know healthy for a full year. And they got Romo in a two-year contract, right? Yeah, they re-signed Romo. Um, you know, both you know both the Brandons will still be there. Um, Angel Pagan should be healthy again. So I don't know. I I think I think they'll be okay. I one of the, actually one of the things that's going to be challenging for them is both the Dodgers and the Padres have signed quite a few people and have at least on paper improved their teams quite a bit so i think competition in the nl west is going to be stronger than it's maybe been in the past but are the diamondbacks still hopeless oh yeah okay good yeah every division kind of just needs that one hopeless team yeah i don't know maybe i'll become a red sox fan oh god no, no. Oh, what a terrible city and terrible people oh jeez. You've never even been to Boston. I have not. Again, I I just again I've said this before. I have I have contempt for East Coast baseball because they have no respect for West Coast baseball. That's that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Now we can go back to technology. Oh yeah, that was your uh, your sports minute uh, brought to you by who who would who would sponsor that Sports Authority? Uh, Bud Light Lime. Ooh. Did you see the final Colbert? I haven't seen it yet. It's pretty good. I mean, in his, his whole kind of outgoing run is good. And again, that's where the Bud Light Lime joke comes from. Um, I'm excited. To, well, I, actually, I'm cautious. So you're not a late night TV guy, are you? Not generally, no. I don't know. I generally have been, but I've never, ever enjoyed Letterman. So I'm not sure uh, quite how he'll, he'll do. And I'm not sure how he'll do at being himself. Because while I think he's an extremely funny person, I think... This like overwhelming reason why people would like that show is his 
like over the top character. So while I'm sure he'll be very funny, I don't know. I for whatever reason I picture just regular Stephen Colbert out out of character being similar in style to Jimmy Fallon. Like but, I don't. But I Jimmy can't... Fallon's kind of like um like excessively like uh, happy and and goofy in a in a positive way. Where I'm not sure he is. Like he's not willing to, he, or he's completely willing to laugh at himself and like just uh, kind of make himself appear foolish for the benefit of the guest. I don't know, and I and I and I enjoy Fallon's program, but I don't know because there's there's no real example of Colbert being himself, right? Because on the Daily Show he was always playing characters, and on the Colbert Report that was all a made up character. Yeah, I mean, the, really, the only reason I even make the comparison to Fallon and kind of see him that way is just because of you know how often Stephen Colbert, the character, and and Fallon interacted on those shows. So I, I'm sure that's sort of you know sort of the bias in my opinion as to why I think he'd be similar also out of character, but I, I I don't know. It's just really a guess. And nobody really knows. And it's kind of weird we're not going to know for a while. I didn't realize there was such a big gap between when he was stopping the Colbert Report and when he's going to start on Late Night. I thought it was a month or two, but... He's starting when like the new television season starts, like in September, right? I, I guess so, because Letterman's final show isn't until May... And then they haven't announced when Colbert's going to start. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize it was that long. But, I mean, I guess that's good, right? Because I'm, I'm sure he'll spend a majority of this time, you know, tooling the show, figuring out what he wants to do. So it seems smart to give yourself a lot of time to prepare for that. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be going to be a while before we know. End of an era. Yeah, he was on for a solid eight years. Yeah, it, it's um, a lot of stories came out this last week, just of anecdotes of people talking about the show, especially you know when the show first started. And I didn't realize that kind of behind the scenes, Colbert's agent and most of the people around him strongly advised against him doing the show. They felt that his character was great, but that it was best in the kind of the format that was being presented in the Daily Show, where it wasn't an everyday thing; it was for only five minutes at a time. Nobody really believed in that character being able to sustain a 22-minute program four nights a week, especially for as long as it did, like, what, eight years or so. So it's it's just a, it's a testament to how amazing he was on that show that he was able to be this fictional character for eight years. Yeah. Anyway, so, but if you don't um, actually go through the effort of watching all the shows... Um, he did a, a like a sketch that was like ten minutes long about um, him doing a um, a yard sale for all the uh, props from the Colbert Report, <laughs> uh, and that is um, very very worthwhile to watch. Is that on the the last episode? Uh, I think it was like the second to last episode. Yeah, okay. It was probably on uh, the Hulu or something like that. I have uh, I have the last weeks recorded, so maybe I'll just go back and watch those. So okay, we'll we'll slowly transition from the non-tech talk back into the tech talk you you have a phrase in the slack that just simply says coffee drm and i i think i know what you're talking about but oh wow we haven't talked for a while been a little while um so you know uh what curing machines are right yeah and i know that this i think what you're referring to here is they just came out with these like Keurig 2.0 machines yeah yeah the next generation 
but I don't know. I don't know the specifics of what they're doing. I've, I've heard vaguely that they were trying to come up with a way to make it so that you had to buy, you know, official Kure cups and couldn't buy any sort of third-party cup. That is exactly right. Um, and apparently, it's so that's so it's essentially like putting a slapping DRM on a physical product, in the sense that you remember. Um, uh, you're you're an older guy. I uh, remember <laughs> floppy, floppy disks and uh, VHS tapes. I, I remember both of those those things. Do you remember on VHS tapes where to be able to record over a VHS tape, there was this little like tab on the front lower left? Yes. And if you wanted to record over a right protected tape, you can just put tape over it? Yes. Okay. I mean, it, I mean, in, in theory, I knew what that was. Wait, are you pretending like it's illegal or something? Uh, I don't know. No, we did that all the time. I'm sure it's not something that some folks would have wanted you to do but <laughs> i'm sorry oh walt disney home video <laughs> you know i taped over the jungle book i don't care <laughs> um uh but yeah so like stuff like that like where a lot of companies will try to uh, force it, it's a vendor lock-in the same thing like with itunes and all, all these um online services where they try to get you very comfortable in their ecosystem where it's costly to ever venture out and there'll be artificial barriers in place to make it so that you can't use somebody else's product so apparently with these new uh, next generation Keurig uh, 2.0 machines or whatever, um, there's like some tab that you can apparently like just put some tape over or do something to that allows you to brew coffee from unofficial K-cups. <laughs> and again, the thing that's so stupid is, is that it's because those machines, while they're not cheap, they kind of follow the same uh, razor blade and ink and, uh, ink and printer model. Where right. they, they don't necessarily make much or anything on the machines, but it's all made up over the uh, life cycle of the machine uh, through uh, licensed uh, Keurig cup purchases. Right. Which uh, will we'll ignore the fact that they're kind of super wasteful, but it's, it's I don't know. I'd, I'd find stories like this, and again, the whole point of this was that uh, some guy, I think it was called, he called himself some like coffee hacker or something like that. <laughs> Um, found uh, found like a very very low tech and physical way of um, just altering the machine just ever so slightly, where it no longer checks to see if there's this tiny little tab on it, um, and then you can make whatever you want. I mean, of course, somebody did. I mean, this is we have a long documented history of DRM not only being broken, but generally broken very quickly and very efficiently. But I like that it's it's that it's coffee like it, it's just yeah because that's like it's just a really douchey thing because like like you're because the physical like implements are there and then you're gonna have some some machine that is basically just a glorified water heater telling you no this is not this is not capable of making coffee because it doesn't have this this stupid thing on it that this company didn't pay us the 10 cents per coffee cup and it's just i don't know makes me yeah happy. i it's funny. I remember when I heard about this, I was totally naive to this issue because I I have a Keurig, not you know not one of these new ones, just one of the original Keurig machines. Use it all the time, you know, love it. But I I've never noticed that there were official K cups versus unofficial ones. I guess I've just never paid attention to that. I wouldn't even really know how to tell the difference. I guess if the Keurig logo is on the box or something. Mm-hmm. Because they all, I mean, they all look the same. I mean, they all fit in the machine, so. 
Yeah, like a lot of people who don't use the official licensed ones can't call them Keurig compatible cups or K cups. They'll say they're uh, coffee pods, <laughs> which which I love. But yeah, uh, weird. Good times. Yeah, I I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know why I would want to get one of these Keurig 2.0 machines if I already have one. Because it has pro- a f- because it has a fucking touchscreen on it. Why does everything? I'm perfect. I'm perfectly happy with my Keurig machine. I, mean, it, yeah. it, it, I don't ask it to do much. It, ma- it makes hot coffee, or it make it makes coffee that it doesn't get quite as hot as I would prefer. But anyway, again, I well anyway, I wish there was a machine that would make hot coffee so that it brews properly and then cools it down to an instantly drinkable temperature. <sighs> that would make a lot of money because I hate having to wait for it. Well, I, I don't I don't really ever have to wait out of my Keurig machine because even at the max temperature, the Keurig coffee's not that hot. Hmm. I think it does, at least the machine I have does, I want to say it's 172 degrees. How on earth do you know that? Well, because I, I, I did some research into this. <laughs> of course you did. And it's um well i mean it's also just a setting you know when you go into your menu on your keurig it'll it'll tell you what temperature it's brewing at and i i think that the the max was 170 something wow maybe i have a, a, a like a ghetto keurig machine mine just has buttons oh i mean mine just has buttons too and it but it has a couple of menu options and the temperature is one of them i i got it a year ago year and a half ago so it's not i guess it's one of the newish ones gotcha yeah, mine just has cup size, and is it empty? So. <laughs> uh, uh, good times. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That. That's uh, stupid. That's yeah, it's weird. I might get it. Maybe from Keurig's point of view, I guess it makes sense, but it seems silly. So are these are these new K cups they're making? Are they backwards compatible with the machines that we have, or do you have to now? Can, can make I say sure... something? Yes. Do do you understand how stupid it is? Or no offense to you. No, oh, no. That I, you're having to ask if if ground coffee in a plastic cup is backwards compatible with a hot water machine. Oh, totally. Like, it's insane. So I have no idea. I I certainly would hope so. Again, it's not like a GameCube controller. It's coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I would be I would be pretty upset if um I bought a a K cup and I brought it home and received some type of error. <laughs> it would be, that would not be great. <laughs> I guess, but you know, in, in, in our, in our example, since we don't have these 2.0 machines, it wouldn't be a matter of getting official K cups versus unofficial ones. It would be the situation where if for some reason, these 2.0 cups aren't, they don't work with, you know, non 2.0 machines. If I accidentally bought a pack of those, I would, I would not be happy. So the only other logical extension of this that makes me concerned for the future is like, is like, what if, um, like, what if it had an expiration date on it and it refused to brew it if it was past the expiration date? No, nah, that would be bad too. Like, I, I don't know. It worries me. Technology, again, there's a lot of things that's not improving. Certain things don't need to get that technologically advanced. And again, hot water, which again is all this machine does, um, is is not that. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you though. I I feel like at least so far, speaking just specifically to DRM, I feel like the market has spoken up and has acted where 
you know, in instances where DRM's gone too far. I mean, music's a great example of that. Where, well, but it, it still exists on ebooks. It still exists on movies, video games. It, but it it does, but in a way that makes sense. I think with with movies and video games, those are the two things I oh, and, and ebooks too. I regularly use and purchase all three of those forms of media digitally. And the DRM that's in place, you know, mostly with the iTunes store with video, the Kindle store with books, and then consoles and Steam for computer games. I don't I don't feel like DRM gets in the way at all. It doesn't it doesn't hinder my experience. Yeah, I guess part of that's because um ubiquitous internet connections aren't really an issue as much as they were in two thousand eight. Right. Where DRM did end up throwing a bunch of walls up. Yeah, like I just I can't really think of the last time where with a game, a book, or a movie, I've wanted to do something that DRM restricted me from doing. Yeah. So, I think I think in it's so far we've kept a lot of that stuff in check, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if after a year or two, Craig kind of goes back on this idea and makes it so that this is no longer an issue. Well, there'll be some uh, some other fad. <laughs> Maybe. Again, we just got a Vitamix, so. Oh, you did yeah. the one of the one of those the fancy smanchy blenders, right? Yeah, I there was a there was a short period of time where I looked into those too, and I I talked myself down. Yeah, it's pretty. Do you get like one of the like really fancy ones? Uh, it's the ladies, so I, I don't. No, I don't get in that, into that domain. But it makes Are good you, smoothies. <laughs> Sorry, you you're a you're a smoothie uh, smoothie family. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. All right, so that that was an excellent idea. That's a good middle step back into technology. Oh, so thank you. Go ahead yeah. and tell me uh, why you finally uh, gave, uh, kicked RDO to the curb. Yeah, so we've—I don't know how much we've talked about it since we've started, you know, broadcasting these, uh, as you would say. But um, we've we've definitely at one point or another talked about how we both love. RDO as a service. I think the the playlists that are available are fantastic. I think the just the overall music selections really good, and I think the visual aesthetic of both their web interface when you're using it on a computer and their iOS app when you're using it on your phone and tablet for that matter were really second to none. And so, you know, all of that put together makes it sound like RDO is sort of the perfect on-demand music service. But unfortunately, as as good looking as the web app and the particularly the iOS app were, just they were completely dysfunctional. Um, it's been the case repeatedly for the last year or two where the iOS app will just straight up not play the song you select. You'll you know click on a song and it will play a completely different song. Um, and and lately it's just it's been getting worse. It's gotten to the point where the app just regularly freezes on me just out of nowhere. I'll be listening to music. The app will crash. I'll try to relaunch the app and it just won't be responsive to any sort of scrolling or button pressing. So I put up with it as long as I could and a week or two ago had just kind of had enough of it and tried all the different services that were out there. I tried the Beats app. I tried Google Play Music. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, just neither neither of those apps were very good. I think 
We've talked a little bit about this with the new Google Maps iOS app, where I think as a standalone app, it, it looks fine. It actually looks good. But just going from that app to any other iOS app is so jarring. It just It's just weird to have the Android interface and then jump to another app, which is more iOS-centric. So the Google Play app was sort of just a non-starter for me. Um, Be- Beats I, I is tricky because... The playlists are very good, but everything else about it's not very good. Yeah, and I, I just I didn't like the initial setup process where it tries to. I don't like. I just I don't know. I just I just wasn't like it. Basically, it it has you type in a couple of artists you like and types of music you like, and I don't. Know, I just wasn't clear even like what it was trying to do. I I don't know that whole the whole experience with the beat app. I was just whatever. Um. So, you know, that left Spotify as being sort of the next logical choice and Yeah. Um, I know you've 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 been a Spotify convert for a little while now. And you know, I've been using it for a couple of weeks. They had a promotion going on where you could sign up for ten bucks and you got three months of service. So it's kind of a good time to do this. So I canceled RDO and then, you know, signed up for this Spotify deal. And it so far has been okay. I, I still don't think that iOS app is great. I think visually and usability wise, the RDO app was far superior. Uh, but with that being said, I'm sorry, said, you said usability? Well, usability and just sort of how intuitive it was and the way that the menus were laid out. Well, when it plays the wrong song, that seemed. Well, I guess I would follow that up with functionality. The um, you know, Whereas the RDO app was a total mess, Spotify is rock solid, fast. We have never had any freezing issues or anything like that. Very responsive. Seems to have really exactly the same sort of music collection that RDO did. Some of the, the playlists I don't think are quite as good, but I mean they're they're pretty close. Um, so yeah, overall, I think it's I think the trade off for the slightly less good playlists um, are more than offset just by the fact that the app is so much more reliable yeah i switched and uh, i have almost no complaints it's not as good as rdo if rdo worked and then when you factor in if it worked it didn't exactly and and their mac app leaves a a lot to be desired but good enough yeah i i haven't used the mac app a ton i installed it a couple of days ago and have messed around with it some it's it's okay I mean, I feel the same way about the iOS app. I just I think it's okay. Although the Mac app is nice in the sense that it tries to integrate your iTunes music into your Spotify, where like because you don't you don't subscribe to iTunes Match, do you? No. Okay, because I mean I, I do, but still, like it's nice to have it all in one place, um, so you can create like combined playlists and that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah, and the radio feature is not too bad. Pandora is still a lot better than it, but it's 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 fine. Yeah, I, I, I still keep those things mostly separate. If I want to just do the layback sort of random music, I'll pretty much stick to Pandora. And then if I want to listen to something specific, that's where I'll switch over to something previously RDO and now Spotify. Makes sense. So I don't know. I'm I'm still bummed that it didn't work with RDO. I just Everything about it, except for the part where it just functionally didn't work, was great. But, I mean, that that gap is a pretty big one. And the fact that Taylor Swift is still available on RDO and not available on Spotify doesn't do much for you. Uh, and she, she's not available on RDO. Oh, I thought they left her on there. 
they did for about a week or so, but then it got pulled from RDO as well. Very nice. So Taylor I, Swift is the music industry. I texted this to you, I think, over the weekend or two weekends ago, where I, 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 I'm exactly the problem because I broke down and I, I bought a couple of tracks from her new album. Well, you didn't break down. You just appreciated fine music and paid top dollar for it. Yeah. Because she's worth it. She is. Uh, blank that bl- space. That blank space is a good song. Oh, it's so good. Ugh. Yeah, there's like, uh, there's like, uh, her last album wasn't terribly good, but this one has a lot of good listenable songs. Like normally, I only like a couple songs in an album. I enjoy, or I very, very much enjoy half of it. I have actually not heard. I've heard a couple of other tracks, but I haven't heard most of the rest of the album. But the friends who have have told me that "Blank Space" and "Shake It Off" really are sort of the the two tracks to listen to. Uh, they're they're two of the top eight. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Very good. Uh, what else do we have here? So you, well, you know, kind of transitioning or sticking with rather the uh, the music bit. You have a note here, just simply saying that the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack is the best holiday music, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Yep, simple observation, but completely true. And also, uh, we talked about this offline a little bit, but uh, Santa Baby is a very very creepy song. Oh, there are. Um, I've noticed this in in recent years, which I guess is just part of growing up. Notice that many of, not many, but a handful of, of Christmas tracks are somewhat suggestive, more suggestive than you would notice after just an initial listen. Baby It's Cold Outside is another one of those those types of songs where if you kind of stop and think about what you're listening to, it's um, a bit creepy. So you tried explaining it to me. Again, I, like I, I get the, what's happening, but go ahead and explain it to me. Um, well, I mean, so basically with, with baby, it's cold outside. It's what's really happening is, you know, it's, it's a man, it's a, it's a duet. So it's a man and woman singing. Has Michael Buble ever done a cover of it? Yes. As a matter of fact, he has just, just this year. Makes sense. (laughs) Well, no, he's not the reason. Yeah, he is. He's not the reason it's creepy. As a matter of fact, the cover of it. No, 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 no. Because the cover that he did, um, with, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher this name, Ida, Adina Menzel. Adina Menzel, thank you. From <laughs> wait, how are you going to say it? I don't know. It's not important. <laughs> um, we'll we'll cut all this out. Um, um, remember that John Travolta thing? It's that. What? During the Oscars, uh, he tried introducing her, and he he said uh, Adele Dazim. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I mean, even John Travolta has trouble. <laughs> That's not a defense. <laughs> um. So no, this this duet that they did this year, not and not only is it fantastically done, but also the video that they p- created with it was it's two little kids who are lip syncing to their cover of it, and they changed some of the lyrics How around to make it even more creepy? family friendly. Well, okay. So this so this is the issue, right? Is it's still the song? It's you know man and woman, and basically the song is about. Presumably, this 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 the woman is is at the the guy's house and they're you know they're enjoying a nice evening together. We don't we don't have a lot of context as to the the nature of their relationship. But <laughs> why are you saying this like a lawyer? Well, I mean, you know, I'm just I'm explaining it to the people. You're, um, you're trying to like describe it in the most dry and uh, objective way possible. Well, I mean, this is a um this is a family friendly show, as you know, Carlos. So I'm just I'm choosing my words carefully. Okay. And so you know, basically, this the song. 
just kind of goes in this back and forth sort of manner where the guy is basically just convincing the woman to to stay at the house to to not to not leave to not to not go outside and his argument is you know hey it's it, it's cold outside that's <laughs> the name of the song um you know stay here have another drink come sit with me by the fire whatever it's just i don't know it's it's just somewhat um it's somewhat off-putting if you overthink it <laughs> well when you put it that way because basically, I mean, let's just cut to the chase here. The guy is wanting the woman to stay and, and continue to drink, which, you know, that can can be a totally plutonic thing. Who knows? But plutonic. That's a word, right? No, it's... Is it not a word? What am I thinking of? Plutonic? Or, n- never mind. All right, I'm pretty sure that's a word. You're, you're pronouncing it like the former planet. The planet formerly known as Pluto. All right, I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna let you dig yourself out of this hole. Do, do oh no, I mean we'll just you know through the miracle of editing, this will have just gone through uh, completely naturally. Nope, because I'm gonna drop in hints to refer back to this conversation <laughs> twice uh, before we wrap up. Um, there are a few more things. Uh, do we have any quickies? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're 12. God I am. Damn you. <laughs> Um, oh boy. Um, let's let's see here. Let's make sure we got all of the little personal anecdotes we've been leaving in the in the Slack. The only other one I think we haven't mentioned is you had made a comment. Again, sticking with the music stuff, that Spotify is now what you're calling a BMW connected. You put this in quotes app. Oh, so remember, like when you uh, well, actually you still have the car, but um, when you plug Pandora in over USB into Ford Sync, and it goes into that mode where you can't use your phone, right? So it does that now, which is good and bad. Where it now um, loads kind of so like connect a drive on the car is very similar. It's kind of like I don't know if you want to say like it's CarPlay zero point eight. Um, and then it tries to emulate all the um, like uh, album access functions and thumbs up and thumbs down and all that kind of stuff on the actual screen in the car, which is good. But the issue is that it locks you out of being ever being able to touch the phone, hmm. which is just really annoying. So if you ever switch out of it, everything you're playing back stops. And while it's more safe and easy to access while the car's in motion, if you're ever stopped, it takes 10 times as long to do anything because you can't just touch the phone. So is your is your normal experience using the phone in, in your uh, fancy new BMW, is this, do you kind of go back and forth between using the actual phone and using the interface in the car? Well, like if you're stopped at a stoplight and you want to pick a specific album, rather than like going through dials and trying to search on, on like a little wheel, it's dramatically easier to just do like three taps and get to what you actually want. Hmm. So never, never while in motion, but I don't know. Now it's just harder all the time. You, I mean, you have, you have navigation in your car and everything, right? Yeah. So you just, you use that. Yeah. Hmm. So that's a bummer, but uh, cause like a lot of things do that. Like, um, like Pandora's that way. And, um, there's a few others. I'm sure RDO isn't, but yeah, yeah, I don't, uh, as, as we've, as you also alluded to, you know, Ford sync is that way too. I don't, I don't know why that has to be the case, but like, I get that, like, it, it's probably because the app can't support two types of input. Like, if you started altering things on the phone itself, the car wouldn't yeah, maybe. realize that and it would freak out. But it's it's just a bummer that if you ever, like, tap the home button because you need to go, like, check a text when you're stopped, it just stops playing music. Yeah. 
Thank God Instacast doesn't do that. Because that'd be yeah. Um and then on that note, you posted something about uh Microsoft and Sync breaking up. You are you are reading my mind. That was also gonna be, yes, my transition into the more traditional tech news. Um yeah, so two weeks In favor ago. Of Blackberry. Gross. Well, QNX, which is the technology that BlackBerry had purchased a little while ago. Um, yeah, so, you know, Sync, since it was first introduced, man, six years ago, seven years ago at this point, has always been a, a Microsoft platform. And, you know, it, Sync has never really gotten good reviews. I don't know if I told this story on the show or not, but even when I was uh, leasing my most recent car, this I initially I went into the purchase pretty interested in the whole my Ford touch thing, which is basically the top of the line sync integration. There's like two or three different levels of sync, and this is the most sophisticated one, which is really the most heavily reliant upon the Microsoft technology because it's got a touch screen and all this. And even the sales guy was kind of not really pushing me that way. He was like, Yeah, you know, the iPhone integration's not fully there and so it would just you know if a car if a car salesman is is not trying to sell you on something that's a pretty big red flag that it's probably not worth buying because especially when you consider that these things are bundled into higher end you know build outs of the car and everything so anyway i think it's been pretty clear for a number of years that sync has been good in a lot of ways but has just not really ever met its true potential well, so that's the thing. When it first came out, like in uh, the late 2000s, I always thought it got great reviews or the people thought it was like really forward thinking and worked well. I think it always got the type of reviews where people said something like, you know, there's a lot of good ideas here, but it's, the execution's just not there. And I think that's where it's been stuck for the most part. And so now they're coming out, they being Ford, is coming out with what they're calling Sync 3, which is basically their big third generation of Sync. And they're basically starting from scratch. They dropped all the Microsoft tech. They're going with, as we started off talking about, this QNX technology, which BlackBerry had bought a while ago. And really the, the whole premise behind QNX is a, a platform to build really fast, really responsive touch interfaces. And Ford demoed this new Sync software when these all these stories came out and that was pretty much everybody's takeaway was that it felt really really fast very responsive it's got pinch to zoom and and all this kind of stuff um looks pretty plain it's pretty pretty boring looking but you know in in some ways and some of the initial reviews not reviews but impressions from this were people kind of saying yeah it's boring but in car systems probably should be so I'm as as somebody who's you know a pretty loyal Ford owner for one reason or another, and who is looking to uh, get a new car once the lease is up on my current car during the later part of next year. I'm pretty pretty excited about this. So you definitely think your next car is going to be a Ford? Yeah, I think so. All right, you like to drive America. I appreciate it. I don't. It's just one of those things where my dad always had a Ford, and I, you know, the the two. Well, the I've bought one car and leased another car. They they've both been Fords. Uh, have have had good experiences with both of those. And I I really really like the Ford Escape. I've done actually. I've already done a lot of research into similar crossover cars like that, just in preparation of you know next year. And I just I haven't still haven't found one that I like better. So Come on, get next four. 
Um, but also, I, weren't you rallying against the escape, saying like the new design was kind of lame or that you thought it looked... Yeah, I wasn't... Initially, I wasn't wild with the the revamped look they put out, I think, two years ago at this point. But it's really grown on me. And it's, I, got, I, it's got the, the foot thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I actually, I like it quite a bit now. And I, to be perfectly honest, what I actually really want is the Explorer. The, the new Explorer is just fantastic looking. Is there a new one? Because I know they um, redesigned it like 2011-ish. Is it that one or newer? No, it's newer than that. Um, I don't know when, I don't know when exactly they came out with the body style they have now, but whatever that is, the 2014, 2015, both of those models look really, really sharp, but it's, they're, it's too big for my garage, too wide. So. And also it's just, it's impractical. Um, no, I, well, to I mean, be like, honest, like I, fuel economy wise and like yeah, capacity I, wise, you don't need any of that. It's just wasteful sort of. It is, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm the type who likes to have, because you just never know, right? Like if a friend needs help, <laughs> m- well, no, come on. I mean, like if a no, friend I, needs I, help I, moving. I am the king or... of making up hypothetical situations for why I need unnecessary stuff. No, I mean, there there have been no less than well over, well over half a dozen times where I've had, you know, my stupid little Fiesta. Yeah, and r- it's... rent a zip car. But that's the whole point of leasing a car, so I wouldn't have to do the zip car thing anymore. But again, like the three times a year that you'll need it it's more often than that though uh, i'm not i'm I'm also the type of person when i have other people in my car i want them to be comfortable have a lot of room i don't think an escape would be uncomfortable no 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 not at all not at all that's that's why i want to get an escape but an explorer would be even better Mm. Eh, it looks nice and red the, the the explorer would be a total no brainer if I had the room for it, but I just it's it's physically too big to fit my garage, so it's not an option. Yeah. But anyway, sync three. Um, <laughs> I it, it's supposed to come out. It sounds like in a majority of their 2016 models, so and those will come out some way through the midway point of next year. So should line up pretty well with when I'm going to be looking to get a new car, and you know this will probably be. Something that I look to get. Very nice. Yeah. Because my the, oh, the, the current setup I have with the Fiesta is just, it's just bad. What, you have your auxiliary cable and you have like your car charger and you just string them all together? Yeah, but then, I, you know, I have the phone mounted on the windshield, which you know, just, I don't know, with cables and stuff. I've, I've tried to tuck away the cables, but it still just kind of looks messy and... I like the idea of being able to put my phone in the glove box or something and then just connect it to something like Sync and use it that way. It's a lofty goal. I yeah, guess. it probably is. So, wait, actually, so does this new uh, Ford Sync thing, does it mention whether or does it allude to the fact that it will support CarPlay in any sense? Yeah, so the Ford did come out and say that there are plans with Sync 3 to at some point in the future because one of the things they touted as being a feature was that your car can connect to your home wireless network and by doing that it would just automatically push software updates overnight to Sync and so through that easy to upgrade process they did mention that CarPlay and Android Car or whatever the Android I think it's called Android Car both of those platforms are also going to be supported at at some point in the future. 
Those they are didn't always go... ominous words. I know. Like, they did... uh, making yeah. a, a thirty to forty thousand dollar purchase based on maybe supported in the future is always tough. You're right. So, um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I think I think there are just a lot of, I think there are a lot of functional and business reasons why that's complicated with the business side. Something like navigation is something that you generally have to pay a pretty decent premium to get. Because even with using sync as the example, you know they have sync with and without navigation, and with navigation, it's it's an extra I think couple thousand dollars. I mean, obviously depending on the specific car you're buying, but you know if, if you just all of a sudden slapped CarPlay on there and you could just use Apple Maps, you know all of a sudden that's a feature that you no longer have to pay extra money to the car manufacturer for. So I think there's just I'm, there's things like that I'm sure they have to think through and um, yeah I I wouldn't I I definitely would not go into Sync three assuming that at some point in the near future I'm going to be able to get CarPlay I would be hopeful that I would but I wouldn't um, I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket as you would say yeah it's a bummer yeah well it's an improvement I mean it's it's nice that I was probably already going to you know go with afford and and get some type of you know sync integration and it's kind of cool now knowing that i'll hopefully get something that's a pretty big improvement over what they've previously had so i have a legitimate question would you ever consider a hyundai sure yeah i don't i don't have there are there's no brand of car that i'm super against or anything um scion i don't really know much about scion or which is um you wouldn't drive a Dodge, would you? Sure. I don't. I don't have. Um, I don't have much of an. I don't have much of an affinity towards brands in general, but particularly with cars, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm pretty neutral. So I would. I would strongly suggest considering a Hyundai. Huh, because okay. they they've got they've uh, kind of turned the company around in the past decade, and they've gone all in on the uh, CarPlay and both supporting Android Auto. Like in, in current models, or are we talking in 20, models. 2018 or something? And the shipping models. And the really? Tucson's a very nice car. It's it's a Ford Escape style car. And it, the current the current uh, Tucson model supports CarPlay? I believe the new 2015 does. Oh. Interesting. They're nice cars. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I need to do you know quite a bit more research before it's not until september of next year that i'm that this will be happening so yeah you probably won't even own an iphone by then <laughs> and android 6 is going to be amazing yeah what are we on so the, the current one's lollipop so the next one is m <sighs> macaroon that's not bad i was gonna think macamadamia what huh Macam? what'd you say macamadamia I said macadamia. Oh, you're, something must have happened with the Skype where it made it, it made you sound like you said macadamia. I don't oh, That was weird. Anyway. I speak English good. We're out of practice now. Yeah. Well, it's going a long time. I think we still have more to talk about, but this, eh, we're almost an hour 25. Yikes. I mean, you know, it's, it's that we've been depriving the people of a show for a while. So if we go a little long on this one, that's okay. All right. Do we have any other stray stuff? Um, I think from like the, you know, we, we're, we're now getting into the, the, the newsy stuff, getting away from the, the personal anecdotes. So, um, eh, prime new- now, meh. 
Yeah, so you know Amazon's talking about doing not only like same day delivery, but literally same hour delivery or within an hour delivery. Again, we've we've talked about this where there's just there just really aren't that many things that I buy where I absolutely need to have it even same day. The two day lag on Prime is well actually generally no. fine. All right, so let's let's take this and let's turn it. So, um, have you been uh, have you ordered anything off of Amazon recently? Yeah, I have. Have you been getting the Sunday delivery? Because that's new. Not Sunday, but I've um, <laughs> a couple of occasions I've actually gotten Saturday delivery, which is actually of no benefit to me because I have everything shipped to the office. So I'll I'll buy things on a Thursday, just expecting them to come on Monday. And I've had it happen a couple times recently where they've tried to deliver it on Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, I ordered something recently on a Friday and it arrived on Sunday. And that was very strange. And apparently the U.S. Postal Service now makes people work on Sundays. I wonder if that's maybe just a holiday thing. Um, It seemed like one of the options. Like the actual Amazon website showed get it in two days, Sunday, uh, December, whatever, whatever. Hmm. Yeah, that's strange. But I, I don't really see where same, like that um, delivery that immediate really matters to people. Like why can't you just leave your house? Because the thing is like local warehouses like this will not be able to stock that much stuff anyway. So there's a, such a limited um, number of items that you can get in that time frame. where why wouldn't you just walk to Walgreens? Well, again, I think as we've talked about previously with this type of stuff, we're we're not the use case for this. People who, who is? I think fam- families of, you know, families of four or five people where you've got, you know, kids you got to shuttle around to practice and school and jobs and all that. I, I, I could see that being useful. But that's what um, Instacart and uh, Amazon Prime Fresh are for. Like, I can understand grocery and household item delivery same day. I don't understand the push for next hour, like, just items. Yeah. I, I because, agree. Because the yeah. infrastructure costs are so high, I don't see what level this is going to scale and actually pay off. But again, Amazon's not concerned with making money, so actually, what, why do I care? <laughs> it's just yeah. such a weird company. Again, we have to have our Amazon episode soon. But it's oh, so weird. It's been that teasing that for a long time. Because nobody cares that they don't make money. No, that, that's not entirely true anymore. Their their stock has been pretty heavily hit the last six months from concerns over profitability. So it only took thirteen or fifteen years for that to happen. <laughs> And what else? What else? What else? I, you know, obviously the you know the the biggest story that's been going on since the last time we recorded a show was this whole Sony thing with the the, the computer hack and the subsequent cancellation of this interview movie. I I don't to be honest, I don't really want to talk about it, but I guess I feel like we should at least acknowledge it. Well, so I don't I don't care about the movie. So uh, so apparently the U.S. government and the FBI have stated that they believe that North Korea was behind the hack on Sony that started in 2011. Right. Um. And wasn't the big thing that um PlayStation Network back when the PS3 was fairly new got hacked and everybody's credit cards were compromised? I, I don't. I don't know that these two things are related. Well, no, but that happened first, right? In two thousand nine. Oh yes, yes. So wouldn't that have prompted Sony to kind of think about reevaluating their entire company's network security if that stuff was? Well, it's hard to say because what you're talking about is the PlayStation division of Sony, whereas this is Sony Pictures. And by all accounts, are they Sony, not both part of the Sony Entertainment Group? They are, but 
the stories you hear are both Sony as an overall company and even within some of their bigger divisions like entertainment, one one hand doesn't talk to the other, generally. Shouldn't it? Well, that's a whole different story, yes, but <laughs> the evidence is that they don't. So overall, like, so over a course of several months, um, hackers were able to copy and clone gigabytes of data per week and take it out of... Uh, Sony's internal networks, which allowed them access to years and years of email uh, from executives. So we now got a lot of kind of juicy emails. I think that was a lot more important than the actual movie topic. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 a it's a complicated situation. There's lots of arguments on both sides of it. It's well, really hold on. About Wait, the, what's what's the other side? Well, it's that's mostly about the movie, like whether or not it should have been canceled. Well, and... who cares? Again, well, like I, I think it's a stupid movie. I don't really care for the actors, and I think it's a, it's a dumb premise. But there are a lot of stupid movies that come out, and I don't. I I would never take a principled stance saying for or against that. It's artistic expression, and if they they if they thought they could market it, then why the hell not? Yeah, I mean, Sony got a little bit of a bad rap with that because really it was the big theater chains that backed out. And so Sony kind of also just had to cancel the release in general. So Sony you know, took pretty much all the blame, whereas I think the, the, the decision to cancel the movie was sort of in some ways out of Sony's hands. But I mean, like, it doesn't really just change the core issue that ultimately a, a, a threat was you know the result of a threat was to to not do something which you know that's a it's a dangerous precedent to set it most certainly is and and the scary part is that this is going to continue to happen that like theft is no longer physical or like the damage uh, waged against like a company or an entity is no longer necessarily either like direct violence or theft right and and digital theft can be just so much more damaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tricky. But um, yes, yeah, so, uh, uh, some of the emails are fun to read. I know I know one probably shouldn't, but there's some really some really good ones. Yeah, I've I've mostly stayed out of that. Um... You're a better person than I. <laughs> like, do you, do you know who this Channing Tatum person is? Yes. Okay. Are you a fan? I would say I'm mostly neutral. So hold on. Let me let me send you a thing. Yeah, this this plays great over audio. You, you can you can read it. Don't okay. worry. Would you like me to read it again in my lawyer esque sort of way? Oh, you can read it in your uh, Channing Tatum voice. I don't. I do not know who this person is. <laughs> oh, I I'm I'm a little out of practice on my Channing Tatum. Who is he? He's an actor. Is he the one who's in every Fast and the Furious movie, or is that somebody else? That's somebody else. Okay. So. so Channing Tatum writes emails exactly like you think he writes emails. That's the headline. And it's, wow, it's a long email with a lot of ha, 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 ha. See, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't find this stuff interesting at all. Every, everybody and every company internally says and writes dumb things. And it sucks. It sucks when it's made public because it's that's not the intent. It, uh, anyway. 
you gotta follow I, I mean the whole I, I can thing. I can attest that every every work environment I've been in, all the companies I've worked for, there God, I mean, there are conversations and email chains that I would never want to be made, you know, a public and most of them aren't even like where i'm involved it's just it's stuff i'm overhearing or reading from other people and for their sake and for the company's sake i just wouldn't want that stuff to get out so yeah it's just kind of a it's kind of a, the the whole idea that you almost have to operate as if everything you say and everything you write will eventually become public this is sort of a that's kind of a bummer but hasn't that generally been like computing like etiquette for like a long time it has like but anything it that goes into a recorded medium. I think people should write as if it were going to be public. Like not that you have no expectation of privacy, but that you should try to not. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Again, and and with with like the new generation of people and all these kids that just don't know when to not share stuff. I don't know. It's going to be a continuing problem. I agree. I I think it's it's just it it is the way it is, and you have to. You know, you have to kind of shape the way you you explain things and talk about things in the context of, hey, you know, there's going to be a wide audience that potentially is going to see this and listen to this. Yep. Okay, that's a good place to need to wrap it up. I, I agree. All right. Long show. Yeah. Wait, this was our holiday spectacular. What what holiday news do we have other than dissecting baby it's cold outside in a lawyer speak? I mean, you know, I think we can maybe close this year by um, thinking about, you know, maybe, I don't know, it doesn't have to be our very first show of 2015, but maybe one of the first shows of 2015, talk a little bit about just sort of what we what we think the, the next year is going to bring. New Year predictions. All yeah. right. We have homework. Yeah. I think that's something that we should maybe prepare a little bit for. Most definitely. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, I think uh, 2014 was a... Uh, Banner year, as you would say. The year of Linux on the desktop. <laughs> See, that's that's old school. That's that's been every year since since nineteen ninety five. Well, I feel like or since what, Ubuntu or whatever the hell that thing is. Wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't it when our first run at Best Buy in high school? What was it? Wasn't there one another big push for the whole Ubuntu thing? There's always Linux Linux jackasses. <laughs> All right. Anyway, this is positive. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs>